All right, good morning. So when he started to talk about the two messages, I was like, what? I only prepared one. <laughs> so I'm happy that that transitioned into something about myself. Uh, and I also don't have a microphone in my hand. So if I start flapping my wings for no reason, forgive me. Because in my hands, I like to talk with my hands. Anybody hand talkers out there? Exactly. Um, yes, but again, thank you guys for having me, Pastor Dave. I just want to just show my gratitude to you, as always. Uh, just having me here on a platform uh, of this magnitude is always something that I'm very grateful for. Uh, and I know I was here last year, and it was really uh, great for me to be here and just speak to you guys. Uh, and I'm excited to just touch base with you guys today. Uh, just take you down a little story lane of my life, where I'm at, what I've done, what I do, and uh, just a little encouragement uh, for you guys in the congregation today. But if we could just open up and prayer, and then we'll get started. Uh, Father God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time uh, here at, uh, at Connect Church. But God, I just ask right now, as I am here on this stage, I remove myself from this time right here, right now, and I surrender to you, oh God. I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you just speak through me. Uh, I thank you that every word that will be spoken today is nothing of me, but everything of you. Holy Spirit, whatever needs to be said, uh, whatever needs to be met uh, this morning, God, I just thank you for that. And I just thank you for every heart and soul that was allowed to wake up this morning to breathe, uh, to be here in this place today, God. I don't know what they were facing before they got here. I don't know what they went through last week or even the day before uh, or last night, God. But I thank you that the testimony for every life in this room right here and right now, whether they know it or not, is that you allowed them to wake up and uh, see another day. Uh, and with that, there's purpose for their lives. So I thank you for every person here with purpose. Uh, they're your sons, your daughters. Uh, and I just thank you for this opportunity this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So I just want to get a little bit into myself, just introduce myself uh, for those who may not know me. I don't know who was here last time, who wasn't here last time. Um, but like Pastor Dave said, my name is Rashida. Uh, I'm raised in Peoria, Illinois. I was raised in uh, Tabbed Homes, Northside, Peoria. Uh, and one thing that I always tell people is... Um, you never really know how big something is until your mentality is changed. Because I drive around Peoria now, and I'm like, I never knew it took so long to get one, to one side of a town. Because I'm always, I was always stuck in Peoria, always stuck in the tab. Uh, I never left. My mentality was very narrow, very tunnel vision. Um, but um, like he said, there were two amazing people in my life, and I think they're in the back. Yeah, Mr. Hugh and Miss Sandy, who took the time to invest in me. Um, and if you guys have someone in your life right now, yes, yes, if you guys have someone um, in your life right now that it may be tough and it may be uh, hard to deal with or they may be rebelling against you or you just feel like it may not be worth it, um, as Pastor David said, let me be a testimony to that. Um, every time I come to Peoria, I stay with Miss Sandy and she makes me eggs in the morning and tea for breakfast. But it's just a reminder that everything that she did and everything that Mr. Hugh did, uh, along with God, that it was worth it. Um, and now they have the opportunity to come and see me speak uh, to you guys. Um, so just, just keep fighting the good fight. Um, and a little bit about myself. I was born in Chicago, Illinois, actually. 
to a drug addict mother who, uh, of course, didn't have it mentally enough to understand that there was a child in her womb uh, to give up the drugs. But if you know anything about addiction, you know that's a little harder than said. Um, but she gave birth to a little girl, uh, July 29th. And I actually was pretty great, I'm assuming, because I'm here. But, <laughs> um, but really, um, God had his hand on my life from birth. Um, I was sick. I was in the hospital for months upon months after uh, birth. And um, I was actually in foster care uh, only temporarily until my mother could gain her birth rights back. Uh, but she did not gain those rights back ever. Um, and then the woman who took me into foster care, she fully adopted me um, around the age of two. And I was so grateful for that because I could have been a drug baby. I could have been a crack addict at the age of 26 now. Um, but God had a different plan for my life. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. I'm very thankful for that. Um, and at the age of 13, my mom, the one who I call mom, the one who adopted me, the one who raised me and actually taught me how to be a woman, she passed away of breast cancer uh, at the age of 13. Um, and in those moments, there was a ton of depression, anxiety, uh, no self-worth, like all those things took in when I was 13 years old. And of course, I was raised in a hood where my teachers were the streets if I'm honest. Of course, I was living a double life where Mr. Hugh and Sandy, they would come and pick me up and they would take me to do Bible study. They would take me to church. They would have me do all these great things. But I was also living a double life where I would get drunk. I would party. I would go out. I would mess around with guys. I would do all this crazy stuff. And I was very lost. And I was very confused of life. I didn't really have an identity. Um, and although I still had an older sister who I stayed with, although I had people like Mr. Hugh and Sandy who would take me in and do things. Um, I would still gravitate towards the streets. I would still fight. I would still get in trouble. I would still do all these things. But again, it was just a fleshly battle that God was like, okay, you know what? In, in my timing, I'm going to make sure you're good. He allowed me to go through these things. Pastor Dave and I were talking about this yesterday. I went through so many of those things now that I think about it for a reason. There was a reason behind every trial that I went through, whether it was losing my mom, whether it was dealing with depression and anxiety, whether it was um, I got arrested a couple of times for some silly stuff in school, like all those things, there was a reason behind all of that. And of course, in the middle of that storm, I had no idea why until I came out and now I look back and I'm like, God is so good. And um, I gained so much strength from that as well. And one thing that, uh, that allowed my life to go towards was I was 18 years old and I was in manual high school and that was the craziest year of my life. And I just took a picture. I just uh, did a video on Instagram about this yesterday. It was the craziest year of my life. I was 17 years old and they had just closed down Woodruff. Anybody remember the school Woodruff? Everybody? Okay, right. They had just closed down Woodruff because they said that we were the worst. I disagree, but, um, and we had to go to manual on the south side of Peoria. And if you know anything about the north side and the south side, it wasn't the best idea, but they moved us there anyway. Um, <laughs> and during that year, I got into, like, I got to spend it the first week of school, and then I got to spend it again maybe eight times. I don't know why I wasn't expelled, but 
God had a plan. Um, my dean, she was a Christian. My track coach, I was a great track athlete. He was a Christian. Um, my anger management counselor, she was a Christian. So God was like, I'm going to put you in this school, but there's a reason why you're going to the school because there's so many people that I have in place for you to invest in your life. And I didn't know that at the time. And I fought it and I fought it. Um, and I went to Emmanuel and that's when depression hit harder. Um, that's when anxiety hit harder. I was just buck wild. I mean, guys, I was crazy. And even like a side note, Mr. Hugh, who I have total and utter respect for, there would be days he would come down to the tapped homes and I would be like so high. My eyes would be bloodshot red and we would just be sitting on the couch like smoking and stuff. And he would walk up and everybody would be like, Mr. Hughes, come in, move the smoke, move the smoke. Like that's the life that I lived because the moment he came, we knew that he was bringing us prayer cards. We knew that he was bringing us letters. We knew that he was bringing us a word of encouragement. But then as soon as he would leave, then all the life that was the reality was actually still there. Um, and the thing about life is it doesn't have a filter. You can go on Instagram and you can go to these, you can take a picture and you can get the right angle. You can have the sun hit you perfectly, the light hit the melanin, like all that. And then you can put a filter if you have a blemish. You can put a filter if you have a scar. You can put a blemish and even have fake eyelashes. You know what I mean? Like you can change the way that picture looks. But in life, that doesn't work like that. You don't have that ability to, you know, put a filter over your life. Life is reality and you actually have to live it. You have to go through it. And it's not like something you post on a news feed and you can just scroll. You can even take away a picture from your Instagram feed, but that's not how life is. Um, and at that time, for me, life was very real. But there was one person in my life, and um, I'm going to show you a little video on what I do now. But uh, I work in New York City, and I work for a, uh, not a worldwide organization. It's a children's organization by the name of Metro World Child. Um, and there were some people who came from... Um, Peoria, even Washington, Pekin, and they came together and they ran a Sunday school in the Taft Homes when I was eight years old. And I would just sit down on the mat and I would hear this word preached to me through some silly characters and a magic coloring book that I realized wasn't magic and like all these cool things. And I really never knew where that came from. So when I was 18 years old, one woman, her name was Crystal Mason. Um, I don't know if she's here. She might be here for the second service, but um, she was a volunteer on that team and she got to know my mom very well before she passed and she was who I call now my godmom. Um, and she forced me to go to New York City. And when I say forced, I mean if I had a hand that could be forced and pulled and dragged and if there was an easier way to get to New York than a car or a plane, she would walk me herself. She wanted to make sure that my life wasn't wasted. Um, and of course, it's always that thing, even for the adults here, I'm I'm an adult now, but really, like God has a plan for every single person in this room. And, and there are other people in your life who may see something in you that you don't see. But sometimes, now that I think about it, we should believe them and we should like, you know, work in that and see what God has planned for us. Um, because she was like, Rashida, I'm tired of you wasting your life. You're not doing anything. I'm sending you to New York City and you're gonna go to Metro World Child and do this internship. Um, I went there with anxiety, 
an abusive relationship. Um, I went there with depression. I went there with so much baggage, and I mean heavy baggage for an 18-year-old coming from the inner city of Peoria, Illinois. And I wasn't even Christian, if I'm honest. I knew who God was. I'd like, like, I really like maybe prayed the prayer of salvation, but I really didn't understand what it meant to have a relationship with God. And, and there's a lot of people in this world that say, you know what, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, I know what he did for me. But that's when people have an idea of what religion is outside of having an idea of what an actual relationship with God is. Because those are two different things. And I understood religion, but I didn't really have an understanding of God. And when I got to New York City, 18 years old, um, I did a four-month internship, and Midway through, I had no choice but to change because God was just like there. He was there. He was like, if this is me, he's like the tip of my nose, like the hair on my nose. And I'm just like, okay, I get it. I get it. Um, but there was a day I had to sit in a room and someone looked me in my face and she said, Rashida, if you do not change, you will not make it anywhere. And that was eight years ago. Eight years ago, I remember her name. I remember the room, what it looked like, what I had on. I had a blanket over my shoulders, and I sat down, and I said, God, I'm tired of the life that I'm living. And I don't know if there are anyone here who is at a point in their life where they're tired of what's going on. And you may have a corporate job. You may have this grand slam family, the best photos for Christmas. You know what I mean? But there may be something in your life where you're just like, I'm done. I'm tired. And I don't know whether it's the youngest person in the room or some of the oldest people here in the room. Um, I had to come to a point where I completely surrendered. And I had to come to a point where I said, God, I am tired of the life that I'm living. I am done. I want to be, I just want to be different. I want to change. And God showed me my character through other people around me. And it was crazy because I went with a friend of mine and I got really close to two other girls. And it was so crazy my character, my disgusting character, the ways, the, the anger, the, the rudeness, the, just all these crazy things were showed to me to other people around me. And I sat down and I was like, God, this is crazy. Am I really like that? And I sat in a room and I, I surrendered my life and I began to walk in a relationship with God. And that is where things changed for me. Um, thank you. All glory to God, honestly. Like, Really, I can't give it to anybody else because he was there. He was very present in my life. Um, And it went from literally night and day for me um, to where 18 years old, I was, I I got high right before I went to the internship. Mr. Hugh, Miss Sandy, you don't know that. Forgive me. I love you. But (laughs) I got high right before the internship. And two months later, I was completely saved and understood who God was in my life. And I'm so grateful for that because now, eight years later, I have the opportunity to stand on a platform like this and tell you guys that story. Uh, God kept me. He was there with me. Um, But it it was a complete and utter decision that I had to make to to surrender God, to, to surrender to God and say, God, this life that I'm living right now. I don't have control over it. It's out of control. Um, I need you to take over. And he's just continually to surprise me, to take me to a new level, to take me to a new step in my life. And that doesn't mean for any of you here that you have to change your life and become a public speaker. Okay, I'm not saying that. 
because I didn't, I didn't know my life would be here. I didn't know where I would be right now. But what I'm saying is the minute you surrender daily, of course, daily, the minute you surrender to God daily, he will show you things. He will change things. He will set you free. That song, I've never heard that song before. Good job to the worship team, by the way. It was really great. Um, I've never heard that song. And one lyric that I wrote down, it said uh, something about freedom, by to the darkness, all these things, the walls are going to be broken down. That happens when you surrender to God. That happens when you say, God, this anxiety, it consumes me. You have to be very real with yourself and you have to say, God, this is consuming me. It's taking over my life. And sometimes we are very comfortable in that place of pity. Sometimes we are very comfortable in that place of sorrow and pain and depression because once you come out of depression or anxiety, there's a feeling it's like, I don't have control over my feelings. God is, he's bringing me joy. Oh my gosh, there's those feelings. But at the end of the day, that is what God has for your life. I don't know what next level God wants to take you to in your job, in your home, in your relationship, in your family, in your friends, or even here at church. But it takes complete surrender. Um, And because of that, now I work for an international organization in New York City. Out of all these, you know, I was flying in yesterday and I was looking at the plains of field and farms, and I was like, this is totally different. <laughs> and I was like, this is where I came from. That's why I don't like Times Square, because it's too big. Uh, but I have the opportunity to work for a huge organization um, by the name of Metro World Child. We now reach over 230,000 kids all over the world and in New York alone. Um, and what I'm going to do, I'm actually going to show you a little video um, of what we do in New York City, so you guys can have just a little view of that. And then I'm going to get a little bit into what I do now currently and what season God has me in um, and just a little encouraging word for you. So if we can get that video up and going and uh, I'll go from there. It's almost like we're in jail. Yeah. Because it's like a lot of shooting around here. It would just be scary to go outside. Scared to go outside. Sometimes we just get tired of it and just want to break from it. Children living in the world's inner cities face problems on a scale that most of us can never imagine. From early in life, they are told that the world is dark dangerous and hopeless, that there is no other option. Metro World Child's purpose is to speak a different message into the lives of these children. Metro World Child is a global humanitarian organization dedicated to building futures for children living in adverse conditions in metropolitan areas around the world. Based in New York City, Metro serves more than 200,000 children every week, both locally and globally, meeting physical needs through after-school programs, urban outreach, child sponsorship, and personal mentorship. Metro World Child currently operates programs at more than 200 locations in New York City every week, reaching all five boroughs across the city. Each of our programs are purposely designed to break destructive cycles, to give the children the opportunities that they need to create a new path for their lives. 
The dynamic concepts we have developed are being duplicated all over the world because they are based upon principles that transcend cultures, race, and generations. Metro World Child, providing hope, building futures. Yes, so that is the organization that I have the opportunity to work for. And of course, even just watching it, now that I think about it, it just brings me to tears. Um, just simply because of the fact that at one point, eight years old, I was that kid that, that in Kenya, in India, in Romania, in New York City, all over the world, that I had the opportunity to be ministered to. And even in the video, she said something about breaking destructive cycles. Um, I have the opportunity now to help children break destructive cycles that I went through when I was a kid. Um, and I'm just very thankful for God and who he is in my life. Um, and thank you. Um, so... Where I'm at now, um, I still work with the kids, and there's a few pictures that'll be behind me playing. Um, but the children that we work with, they're from some of the toughest places in the inner city. And the thing is, we always have these um, moments where it's clear where the divide is. We were on the Brooklyn Bridge during a tour with some of our missions uh, teams that come up to visit the, the ministry. And... On the Brooklyn Bridge, you can see one side where there's poverty, where there's the hood, where there's the projects, whatever you call it. And then on the other side, there's Wall Street, literally across the street. And we have that opportunity to bring hope to those families, to bring hope to those kids, to bring hope to those, to our people that we build a relationship with on a daily basis. Um, and even with Pastor Bill Wilson, our founder, um, who started this ministry over 40 years ago, he is an amazing man who has been through some interesting stuff. He came to Peoria, Illinois, when he was shot in the face under the Brooklyn Bridge, um, and he was robbed, actually. And he came with galls on his face and a swollen cheek. Um, I'm not that extreme, but <laughs> he is. And um, this is one of our scenes in the Philippines where they are in a garbage dump. Um, they stay in a garbage dump. We have the opportunity here to sit on chairs. We have the opportunity to go into the foyer and have coffee and eat. But these children, um, they are sitting and living in a cemetery in a garbage dump. Um, this is their lives. But when you guys invest in me. When there is a church, when there is a pastor who invests in me, who can encourage me just through words, words of wisdom and opportunity like this, this is what you guys are a part of. Um, and I just want to thank you guys for that, regardless if you know it or not, or if you feel that way or not. Um, even the opportunity that you can hear the sound of my voice, you are a part of that. Um, and I'm going to end here soon, but one thing I just want to ask uh, each and every one of you today, um, and I had to ask myself this a couple of weeks ago, weeks ago, because I was just in an interesting place in life, um, and one thing I had to ask myself is, where is my focus? Um, and this is going to be an interesting question, um, but what is the God in my life? Is it actually God or are there other things um, that are in my life that are taking his place? And one thing I've learned is, um, and I'm actually learning. I was telling Pastor Dave yesterday, that's the only word I can say to sometimes is I'm learning. Um, because at the end of the day, you never stop learning. You go through life, whether you're a teenager, whether you're an adult, whether you're an, um, a well-seasoned person. I'm not going to call you an elder. Well-seasoned. Uh, 
you still are learning every single day. Um, and there's moments in my life where I'm like, okay, God, I need this. I need that. I need this. I need this. I need that. I want this. I want that. Um, and there was a season in my life where I thought I was lacking um, everything. I had no peace. Um, still today, 26 years old, and I know millennials, we are on this mental health run, okay? Take care of your mental health. That's what we are. Uh, but still today, I, I see counseling because I have anxiety. I have really bad, like, believe it or not, social anxiety. Uh, there's moments where I have seasons of depression. There's moments where it's just really tough to get up and go to work and actually see people um, and talk to people. And I have this persona of just being this smiling and cool and funny chick. But some days it's a facade and I'm 100% vulnerable here. Um, and there's days where I believe that I am just lacking. But the thing is, I'm only lacking in the flesh because I have everything I need in the spirit. And that's my encouragement for every single one of you here today. I don't know where you are mentally, physically, and spiritually, financially, wherever you are with your family, but you may feel like you may lack. There was days I didn't have money. There was days I didn't have peace of mind. There was days I didn't have the strength. There, was, there would be moments I would have panic attacks, and I'm like, Lord, I don't even have air right now. Like, seriously. But the thing is, I was lacking all those things in the flesh. It was because I was, I was so far away, my focus was not on God, where I had everything that I needed. And that's why I'm asking today, where is your focus? Is your focus fo focusing on what others can give you? Is your focus on affirmation from your boss? Is your focus on affirmation from your peers? Is your focus on what others can give you? Is your focus on yourself? There was a harsh truth when I realized that maybe I'm just a tad bit self-centered, where I feel like everything is about me, 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 me. But at the end of the day, it's not. It's about him. And I had to come to that realization and that truth that the minute I remove myself from trying to save myself from anxiety, when I remove myself from trying to save myself from depression, when I remove myself from trying to do all these things in my life that I feel like will help me, that is when God can say, okay, thank you for getting out of the way. Now it's my turn. And then that is when like the song says, because, oh, Jesus, man, that song was so good. I was just sitting there like, wow, this is God in, in worship form. Like when you remove yourself from all of these things, that wall breaks down. There is freedom. The darkness has no room when Jesus' name is even spoken. So when our focus is on talking to this person or, you know what, I'm having a really long day. I'm having a bad moment in my life. I'm struggling really bad. And the first person I want to go tell is Josh or Karen. No, 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 no. Josh and Karen, they may be able to, if there's a Josh and Karen in here, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope you're not a counselor or you are. But the thing is, we may run to man before we even run to God. And that man may be able to give us a temporary sol uh, uh, a solution, but they may not be able to bring freedom and deliverance. And that is who God is. That is who God is in your life. And even in Psalms, it says that I shall not want. Why? Because when it says that, it means that I will not lack. 
When you have God in your life, when, when you have a moment where you can accept Jesus Christ in your life, when you understand that the blood that was shed, when he was pierced in his hands and his side, he had a crown of thorns on his head, when he was pierced in his feet and he was hanging on the cross, he knew exactly what you would do in your life. He knew every sin that was going to happen before it even happened. And he still chose to go up there and he still chose to say, you know what? I know what you're going to do, but I love you enough to die because you deserve hell. You really do. But I'm still going to die for you anyway. And then guess what? I'm coming back. I'm coming back in the I'm coming back. And then when I do come back, you have the opportunity that you have the opportunity to have me within you every single day. And you don't only have me, you have the Holy Spirit, who is your counselor, who is your present help, who is there to take care of you when you feel like you can do it on your own. So when you have all of these things, when you accept that moment of Jesus Christ, it's like, okay, God, this is my moment where I can fully surrender and I can put my focus on you. Because when my focus is on you, then everything else can just slowly fade away. When you're looking at one, I'm looking at this, this, this back wall right here, right now. And as I look at this wall, it's almost like every single one of you fade. Like my focus is not on you. I can look you dead in your eyes right now. You are my focus. But when I'm looking right at this wall, if this wall was God, there is nothing else around me that can distract me because my focus is on that wall. If I had a weight goal, when you go to the gym and you have a goal that says, okay, this is what I want to lose, when you look at that gym and you look at that weight every single day, that's your focus. Now, the, the burgers and the fries may come in as a little distraction, as temptation, and you may have to say, get, get behind me, Satan. But that is your focus. Where is your focus in your life right now? Are you stopping yourself? Do you have to remove yourself do you have to set boundaries in certain relationships and friendships? Is that what you need to do to make sure that focus is on God so much so surrender becomes a little easier? Because that's where I had to be, guys. That's where I am in my life. Right now, I'm in a very uncomfortable season. I am, I am, I am. Um, and I was just talking to pastor yesterday and he spoke so many words of wisdom. Guys, for real, take notes when he speaks because yesterday I was like, I went home and I was like, uh. no, seriously. And, and I'm not like, it may be funny, but at the end of the day, I'm at a place right now where surrender is so important. If I don't surrender, I'll just be taken out. Maybe not to death, not, not take my own life, but it'll just be a weight that I can not carry. Why? Because it's not meant for me to carry anyway. It's for God and God alone. So if you are here today and you are carrying a weight, if you are here today and you're at a point in your life where something needs to change, guess what? Let's take our focus off of everything else around us. Let's take our focus off of those things that may not help us at all. And let's just focus on Jesus Christ. Let's focus on the cross. Let's focus on the one who is here to bring you peace. He is your prince of peace. He is your present help. He is your counselor. He is everything you need. Why? Because you, I, I shall not want because I do not lack because I serve a God who is mighty and he is victorious and he is amazing and he is here for me. And just as much as he is here for me, he is here for every single one of you. So I don't know what you need today, guys. I don't know, guys and gals, sorry. Um, but just be a reminder. Maybe just write it on your like little mirror or like on your desk or in your car somewhere. I shall not want. 
In those moments where you feel like you are lacking and in those moments where you feel like you are completely lost, guess what? That's okay to feel that. Let's start there. It's okay to feel that. But be reminded who God is and walk in that and trust God. Build on your faith. Ask God, help me in my faith so I know that when I'm with you, when you are with me, when I'm calling out your name, that all that darkness is removed. But also, I don't lack a thing. I have everything I need in my life. Um, And that's just my word of encouragement to you guys. Um, Just walk in that. I'm going to walk in that as I leave today. I'm going to Chicago. I got to drive and rush hour traffic to get to Chicago after this, but I will be reminded even in those moments where I'm nervous about coming up here to speak to you guys or the moments I'm, I don't know, fear, fearful of something. Guess what? I, I don't lack anything because there's a God who I serve who is way more um, and I shall not want for anything. Um, and that's just my word of encouragement for you guys today. <laughs> Pastor Dave, you're just over there smiling. <laughs> I hope I'm doing something good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, you guys are amazing. I just want to thank you for this opportunity. And um, that's all I got to say. Oh, thank you.